0: This is Dave Leon, and you're listening to the First Deal Show.
1: Welcome to the First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. Welcome back, 402. This is your host, Caroline with the K here with a very special guest, uh, Dave Leon, who has been in enterprise sales for 30 years. He's also a certified SCORE mentor that helps new business owners uh, grow their business. And more recently, a real estate investor in both the single family and multifamily space. And Dave is currently focusing on transitioning more into commercial real estate. So welcome, Dave. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
0: No worries. Thank you. This is going to be fun. And as we were sharing before we hit record, I've got my espresso here, you know, so I'm medicated and motivated.
1: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the double M's. Yeah, yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, cool. So uh, we're going to get started as always four oh two, with the kiss me segments. So we're going to get into knowing Dave a little bit better before we start talking about his first deal. So Dave, tell us what was the first album that you purchased?
0: Wow, so <laughs> I'm gonna date myself here. Um, I was born in 1970, so when I got rolling into music, I probably just missed that album, you know uh, phase or craze. So my first purchase was uh, the old school cassette and gosh, I'm a little embarrassed to say I think it was something like Motley Crue, you know oh, something <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I don't know if I'm proud or not, but there you go.
1: Cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah, some old uh, old school. Age. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. So, what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate?
0: <sighs> wow. I mean, there's there's so many, and I think, or I know, the biggest challenge is is literally limiting yourself, self limiting beliefs that. You know, fill in the blank. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know the right people. I don't have the money, you know, just just limiting yourself and throwing up hurdles that, you know, may or may not really be there. I I think that's where probably 90% of newer real estate investors are. And if I could just go back to my younger self and just give myself a slap and say, stop it, (laughs) don't create problems that may not be there for yourself.
1: Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. And I think a lot of us, 402 included, still struggle with that, right? Like every day, we're trying to change the narrative that we've been given most of our lives and have told ourselves. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what is something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you?
0: So, you know, the COVID year of 2020, I think everybody was, you know, shell-shocked and to what degree they were either frustrated or maybe even in in some sort of depression or funk, I think maybe I was all of the above. And I really needed something to do. And I was looking that maybe doing a career shift and getting into life coaching. And I just found that that process for me was, it just took too long, too many courses, a little bit too much cash at the time. So I joined the SCORE organization and it's a nationwide nonprofit. And uh, we're all volunteers and basically we mentor, tutor and train at no charge uh, small business owners and entrepreneurs. So it seems I think in the last year and a half or so um, I've mentored and probably over 40 different uh, entrepreneurs in all things. Sales, sales operations, business plan, uh, revenue, finance, marketing, you know, trying to get their business from A to B to C. And just helping them get out of whatever is blocking them at the time. It's pretty wow, cool.
1: That's yeah, that sounds like a great organization to be part of. And yeah, you know, thanks for doing that and offering your services to people. Hey, no worries. So four oh two, if you're interested in starting a business or if you're already on that endeavor and you need some support, you can go check out Score. So what um, and finally the last question is what is your favorite quote? <sighs>
0: There's there's so many. Um, I I may have to paraphrase. Um, It it is a quote or a statement from old, old school Confucius. And I'm going to paraphrase it because I'll probably butcher it. But it's, it's, you know, uh, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And I like that because it brings in both short term, what do I have to do? but it also brings in long-term, where am I going? And more importantly, why?
1: Yeah, that's great. And that's a really good point, right? Everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. even in real estate, you know, a lot of people start in the single family space, but mm-hmm. you don't always have to start there. No, it just no. depends on what your goals are. Yeah.
0: There's no rules as for what you do, but the only rule is good Lord, do something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's hard is that sometimes people need help focusing and knowing what's the next step to take. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, So, tell us, Dave, where are you uh, based and where are you currently investing?
0: So, uh, based in Austin, Texas, and my wife and I, I and we've raised a family here. Uh, We got here in uh, 1999, and it's just complete luck that we happen to be in Austin and we happen to experience the insane, phenomenal, crazy growth that Austin has, uh, shown in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, it's just morphed from a cool town into a small city into what it is now, which is just, I'm not gonna say it's like Houston in a sprawling metropolis, but uh, it's, it's getting there real quick.
1: Oh, OK. I thought I thought Austin was like comparable. I mean, I guess I don't know Texas all that well, but from my understanding, like a lot of the um, cities in Texas have really developed and grown a lot. So I just assume for sure. That mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's getting close to New York status down there in Texas. That-
0: uh, you know, in Texas, you've got Dallas, Houston, San Antonio and Austin as the big four and yeah. those cities are in the top, I don't know, you can look at the latest chart, but they're probably in the top nine in the U.S. as far as the largest cities in the U.S.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. I mean, it's yeah, all in it's the, the same
0: ridiculous. State. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people rolling down from New York and Jersey, you know, the Northeast coming down from Minnesota and Michigan where it's cold and millions of people fleeing California and coming yeah. to, uh, to Texas and to Austin specifically.
1: I mean, I don't blame them. The gas prices in California are like $6 plus. So Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, you know, no state income tax. That helps as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I wish New York would make the transition. But.
0: <sighs> Good luck.
1: <laughs> not going to
0: happen anytime uh-uh. soon.
1: Um, cool. So then are you mostly investing in Texas?
0: Okay, yeah. That was the second part of your question. Sorry. So right now, my investments are... Predominantly in Texas, there's just so much opportunity and and areas to to dive into. Um, but I have begun to expand out of Texas on the research and the analysis phase into places like Fayetteville, Arkansas, um, Charlotte in, in North Carolina, you know Savannah and Charleston in Georgia and um, uh, South Carolina, and just getting into some of those up and coming, I would throw Nashville in there as well, even though Nashville has been there for a while, but just some of those up and coming cities that remind me perhaps of what Austin was maybe 10, 12 years ago.
1: Mm, Awesome. So tell us now, we've warmed you up, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I was so nervous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've gotten to know you a little bit better. So tell us, what was your first deal, Dave, like what got you into the real estate game and kind of gave you the bug?
0: Yeah, so I can kind of step through, you know, my journey. Uh, Feel free to jump in as as you see fit. But I mean, real estate for me um, started about, I don't know, five, six years ago, um, roughly 2018 with the actual action, but a little bit of planning before that. Um, And I was just trying to, like most people, set myself up for future success um, I was trying to see how I could become free, whatever free is. But to me, free was, was something that was very important and maybe get independent and maybe find a way to, I don't know, unclip myself from a W-2, you know. So that's kind of what got me going. And I always knew that I'll work. I just would like to work for myself versus work for the man. So that kind of was the motivation. But my, my first purchase uh, was a fourplex in killeen texas so Killeen is roughly an hour or so north of austin uh, you have the fort hood military base there and a good chunk of my tenants over the last you know four years or so five years have been in the military and the cool thing about that is that um in the military you get a living stipend so it's part of your paycheck if you will so you kind of have a built-in demand fort hood um, but I'm not limited to just military tenants um, and they have a built in stipend. And so, if, you know, if, if there's any economic downturn, as we saw in 2020, 2021, I was really, really fortunate that I think I had maybe one, maybe two people that actually had to file for government help uh, to maintain and pay their, their, their rents, um, but because the majority are military. And the government is not going to stop cutting checks to its military. That's just not going to happen. So I feel like it was a little bit of luck and a whole lot of it of getting to know the right people. Because the way all this started is I had two friends back in maybe 2017. They were looking to buy a condo for their children to go to University of Texas. They get the kids off campus. You know, do the do the old house hack, get a duplex, put the child in one half and rent out the other. So I happened to go with my um, my friend to go look at the condo that he was thinking about. And it just wasn't for me. It just needed a whole lot of maintenance and was very small. And I just thought, okay, I don't know if I want that to be my, my first investment. But started talking with the realtor and I don't know, we just hit it off. I mean, she wasn't my realtor, but she was just there. So i shared this vision of getting free with her and she said to me you know i just took a continuing education credit class to maintain my broker's license and this guy vestal was leading the class and everything you're saying dave he was saying in the class so i said oh that's interesting so she gave me his number i actually reached out to him cold called him and said you know hey i got referred to you and and this is what i like to do uh, I trade a cup of coffee for some, you know, tips and tricks and some wisdom? And he's a, he's an older person. And he was of course, immediately like, what free food I'm in. So it was no <laughs> problem. So we talked and he just was like, you know, he'd forgotten more than I will ever know. It's just one of those people, you know, he'd been on the funding, the lending side. So I got to know him and, you know, in life things sometimes line up. And around 2017, I had one of those uh, years in sales. I would call it a, you know, a paycheck of a lifetime. I'll never see a paycheck like that again. It was just situational, and then all of a sudden, I had the money, and then I had what I thought was my, you know, kind of mentor. So I called him and said, "Guess what? I have enough cash. I think I can do something." And he told me about Colleen. He told me about why it makes sense. He talked to me about the one percent rule and other ratios that i should be aware of when i get into um, investing real estate investing he gave me the spreadsheets he uses to try to determine what's my net operating income and cash flow from investments so i purchased my first fourplex and he acted as the the funder or the lender you know on that um on that project or on that property and ironically the realtor that i spoke to um when when my buddy was looking for a, a condo she was my realtor so i just literally bumped into these people spoke with them they just resonated i felt like okay these guys were on the same page as me and a little bit of a leap of faith and yeah we just did it and we just made it happen so it was it was pretty cool but you know you get into real estate and all of a sudden it's like well i've got the you know the three t's right the the tenants the toilets and the trash and all of a sudden, you start getting into all these things. But I learned that okay, I think a property manager is the way to go for me. Um, I learned about um, how to do insurance claims. I learned about leases. I learned about how people try to you know cheat the system, how they try to take advantage. Uh, I learned you know even though I've been in sales for thirty years, I learned a lot in that first twelve months as as I owned you know that um, uh, that property. And I've since, you know, moved on to buy more, but that was the first, the first experience.
1: Yeah. So tell us, let's dig into it a little bit, right? So you had this serendipitous moment where you meet this agent who's got a referral of a guy who's invested. You meet up with him and then you're like, yes, I'm going to do this. And they're going to facilitate this whole process. So talk to me a little bit about the financing. How much did it cost to purchase a property? Um, you said that the your mentor like kind of financed it. So how did yep. that play out and- and then we'll go from there
0: yeah so that, that played off very well because even though he was able to benefit from um you know funding my, my first purchase he never acted like oh hey um i'm only you know becoming friendly with you so i can get something he was always genuine he was always just giving for the sake of giving and i kind of was like wow you know, you know, air quote, when I get to grow up, I would like to be that guy where I'm just spouting knowledge and just sharing it with whomever needs it or whomever asks. So, you know, back in 2018, uh, that first fourplex was two, I'm going from memory, uh, 247000 for a fourplex. Okay. And I think the rents were somewhere in the $600 a month range if i'm not mistaken they they were they were just above six, maybe like 610 615 something like that you know so you know the 1% rule is you know the the 1% of the property price right your rents should be a 1% or more of the property price so 6 times 4 is 2400 i bought the property for 247 so we're kind of right at that magic 1% rule which is something even today, man, I really stick to that as one of my core fundamental investment investing, I don't know, ratios, you know, the math is very important in, in investing. Um, and I think the interest rate at the time was, oh, maybe four, four and a quarter or so plus or minus, you know, rates were, you know, lower than they are today, uh, different economics. But um, all this was, you know, obviously pre uh, pre COVID.
1: Yeah. Okay, so then um you bought it at you said two forty seven
0: yep two forty seven
1: and then so when you say that your mentor financed it, you didn't go through a bank, like he funded the money and you gave him a down payment
0: yeah, okay, so uh he um so he was not a private lender he was uh, he worked for uh, I, I'm not going to mention the name, but he worked for uh a known lending institution at the time oh. Okay. Yeah, he, he's with a different uh, group right now. But yeah, so a good point. It, it was bank or, you know, uh, conventional financing. It was not like a, a private lender.
1: Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so then what? how much did you have to put down, like, or was 20%, 25%? Well,
0: actually, so if if you're buying the property as a homestead in Texas, we have homesteads probably up in New York and Connecticut. It's just, you know, your house. Uh, but we, we label it homestead here in Texas. Well, if you're buying your house, it's 20% down. However, if you're buying an investment property, it's at least 25% down. Because the lender wants to know, hey, this is not your primary place where you rest your head. So if times get tough, And you have to not make a payment you'll probably make your mortgage payment you'll probably make your car payment most people probably still pay for netflix right but that investment property you may not make that payment you might be late you might short pay so that's why they require more down just to kind of i guess prove that you are a a good uh, investment uh, for for that lending institution and everybody has different underwriting requirements and debt service coverage ratios and et cetera. So it's always it's always the big picture when you go to purchase investment property, it's you know, they ask for everything. They want your tax returns for the last two years. They want uh, employment verification. They want to see the most recent pay stubs. They want to go into every single place you've got money. They want to see, all right, give me the last 90 days they want to see if there's been a large, you know, if if grandma just floated you a check for 50,000 to help you buy your home or your investment. They want to see that in the bank account that that 50k rolled in. They're going to say, "Hey, where did this come from? It doesn't seem regular or normal."
1: Yeah, yeah. 100%. I mean, yeah. There were a lot of funky things that happened in, you know, early <clears throat> 2000s that they're trying to yes. prevent the same things from happening now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Underwriting that that process, it's like Whew, it's just very invasive. So just take a breath, realize we're going to ask for 90 things and probably need 10 more when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, and then you're sitting there wondering like, do you really need to see my text turn? Text yeah, turn- exactly. Yeah. That many years ago, like, does this yeah. matter? Yeah. Um, Cool. So then tell us a little bit about, you know, you said that you've learned a lot in that first year of owning the property. So after you closed, like what was your step? Did you have to evict any of the tenants? Were they good? Did you inherit the tenants?
0: Yeah. So that process could go a hundred different ways in my scenario, not knowing what I didn't even know at the time. I mean, kind of going into this, I'm not going to say I didn't do my due diligence, but, you know, a good chunk of this was. Moving forward on faith and working and trusting with you know Vestal and and my my realtor who every time she talked about the property she was like oh what a great deal oh what a great piece of property so you know you kind of take these little nuggets from people and they help to add to you know maybe your shrinking confidence and then you start to become confident um, so I I just said for simplicity I'm going to stick with the same property manager and i'm going to initially keep the same tenants and for me being property number one ever um, i thought that was a heck of a lot easier than trying to on the fly interview property managers i didn't even know what to ask I, you know and could i really articulate 100 percent of what property management does no i couldn't so i wanted to just to take you know four or five six months and just get a feel for all right, this is what property manager is. This is what they do. This is what they don't do. And then I could start to evaluate, are they a good or bad property manager? And the tenants, I mean, they were in there and this was 2018 and everyone was, you know, what what's, what what's the phrase? Paid is agreed. Everybody is paying, you know, their rent for the last 12 months. So I really had no reason to boot them out. So I just kept everything in place. And that's where the, you know, you start to realize the, the tenants, toilets and trash <laughs> and there was you know, gee, how come this person's boyfriend broke through the front door and now there's damage to the door for jam, the door frame, the door, there was a window broken. So, you know, you have these little bursts of what the heck is going on when you have tenants. There's just no way around it. It's just life happening. And I had a fourplex, so I had four different lives happening. You know, so I I definitely learned, learned quite a bit, but I just thought it was easier to maintain the tenants and maintain the property manager.
1: What would you say is if you could go back right in time, what would be one piece of advice that you would give yourself um, and even the 402 that's listening in regards to how you may have done things differently or done them the same?
0: You know, it's just it's a tough question because there's so much emotion in that first purchase. You have to kind of get through to you get down to the the essence and maybe the the reality of the math. But as far as the the networking, I would do that exactly the same. And I would, you know, as I I literally just went with my buddy when he was getting that condo and I just happened to bump into the realtor there and start talking with her. Um, And then she happened to just have you know, uh, a continuing education credit course with this guy, this Vestal. And, you know, we got introduced. So the networking, I would do the same. And I can't even tell you if I was doing it intentionally or purposely. I just felt it's going to sound really weird. I just felt compelled or pulled to really at that time in my life, look at real estate. It was just a feeling that I had. It was just something maybe in the subconscious. I really have a hard time putting my, my finger on how or why. I just found myself doing it. And so I think, you know, my advice would be if you also have this feeling, this calling, this idea, however you want to label it, um, use every single opportunity you can to think, how can I either give to get and advance my, my learning, advance my networking, understand what does a lender do, understand what does a realtor do and et cetera, and how they all come together. So everything we do. You have a mindset of, oh, I care or I don't care, right? And if you care, then look at things that are occurring right in front of your nose as a possible opportunity. And just ask yourself, is this an opportunity? If I were to chat with the realtor and ask a few questions, okay, it's no skin off her teeth. She doesn't care. She's there anyway. She's, you know, away from other clients. So she had, you know, you have her attention. Hey, drop a few questions to her. And if you find someone in the coffee shop and you hear them talking about real estate, ask them two questions. How'd you do it? Why'd you do it? So never miss a chance to just ask some questions. So I think the networking, I would I would do all that uh, the same. I think, man, maybe if I had to go back and say, would I have purchased this first property again You know, for another first time? Um, maybe. Because there are some things that I found out that, somehow didn't come through the inspection report and et cetera. I'll give you an example. Like this property that I purchased, they have or had, yeah, I guess they have, they have a fire suppression system. That is this formal system that has a huge, I don't know, compressor or whatever outside that's attached to the building and they have pipes that run to all four units. And so if one unit has a fire, all four get doused with water and etc so it's, it's like a professional um sprinkler system yeah sprinkler system exactly you might see like in an office building so a i never knew that until last year last february here in texas where we had uh the freeze and the freeze you know in texas things are not built for cold the way they are in the northeast so uh you know irrigation pipes are half an inch below the ground there's no insulation you know around our pipes so you know we lost water for three and a half days and you know we we um had other friends you know two four houses down that lost power for five days so during this freeze that fire suppression system froze the pipe broke or burst really and there was water seepage so I found this out only because a tenant raised a work order and said, hey, I think I see some water. What's going on? The property manager said, I have no idea. They came to me. I said, I have no idea. So we had to go find a specialist who was air quote certified to work on these fire suppression systems. And it turned out to be uh, an insurance claim of like, I don't know, $25,000.
1: Wow.
0: So A... I always hate paying insurance premiums every month, but you only need insurance when you need it. And good Lord, you (laughs) hope that when you need it, it's there. So, you know, it it was like there there's aspects of the property that how and the property manager was dumbfounded. He goes, how did I not know that that was there? I am like, great point. I bought it. How did I not know it was not there? I mean, we had an inspection. So it's just weird things like that that pop up. And, you know, maybe in arrears, I would have, you know, if I had known there was a suppression system it's nice for safety, but it, it could be a liability from a an expense perspective, just as an example.
1: I know, but who could have predicted that it would have snowed in Texas?
0: Nobody, nobody. <laughs> and who would have predicted that, you know, we'd have literally single digit temps for like six straight days.
1: Wow. I
0: mean, that hasn't happened in over a 100 years. So nobody could have predicted it. But yeah, Mother Nature is uh, is angry.
1: <laughs> yeah she's reacting for sure yes um but that's you know a great that's great hindsight right everything in hindsight like we can change and make different decisions yeah but yep. um i'm trying to remember the initial piece of advice was just to continue to network yeah just way.
0: keep networking yeah. look at everything as an opportunity and again you have to change your mindset if, if i could be so bold maybe if i drop back into my certified mentor speak You know, you have to change your mindset to the point where you're open to acknowledging, I don't know everything, but I'm also okay not knowing everything. It's not a bad thing. So, again, be kind to yourself. Don't judge yourself so harshly. And not everything has to be thrown into the bucket of good or bad. A lot of things just are. Here I am, 2018, buying my first property. I didn't know what I didn't know. But I think I had the mindset that was starting to come into this concept of, hey, it's okay to be out over your skis. It's okay to be in uncharted waters. You know, go back to that quote, right? The the journey of a thousand years starts with one step. I mean, you got to start somewhere. So be cool with that. Be okay with that and just embrace where you are. And good Lord, just ask questions from as many people as possible so that two months from now, you're still not in this rookie status. Like, you've progressed to some degree. Whatever that degree is, is totally fine.
1: Yeah, great advice. So thanks so much, Dave, for coming on the show. Um, it's really fun talking to you and getting to know you a little bit better. Well, thank and you. Yeah, and that's all, folks. 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal, shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show. 402, thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I will see you next Friday.